0: Happy Wednesday and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Rocketeer Minute where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of the greatest adventure movie Walt Disney's ever made, the 1991 Joe Johnston-directed feature, The Rocketeer. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of
1: tvdads.com. And I'm Hal Bryan, an airplane nerd from the Experimental Aircraft Association here in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Now, Jim, we are very lucky on this show. We always are. We always say that, and we always mean it. We've got a uh, returning guest tonight, uh, my uh, childhood uh, compadre and gifted composer and hyphenate, uh, the guy behind our theme music, Tom Geyer, is back uh, back with us today. And speaking of which, uh, Jim, before we get started with Tom, let's, let's bring that opening theme back up and let everybody hear the end, the part they don't normally get to hear.
0: Yeah, let's, let's do that right now and hear our band leader. Here we go.
2: Well, that was. How's it going? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's going great.
1: So glad to have you back, Tom. After, Thanks. Uh, uh, no. You know, people we remember the first time around. You know, you and I have known each other since uh, since about 1976 is when we uh, we met and became friends. And we and I always tell people my first job was working with you, and we we uh, we we worked the Blue Hair Sunday brunch circuit. We Boy, made. I, many many a
2: happy old lady yes we did in the very very most dignified of ways yes
1: absolutely and we were paid handsomely also in a very dignified sense usually with with uh, pork sandwiches but five dollars and tips yeah yeah
2: five dollar bills and french fries piles of french fries (laughs) well it's great great to be back you guys uh the, the show has been uh just just you know it's 60 episodes ago or whatever it's been since i've been around it's it's been awesome to watch you guys rocking this thing and the people that have been involved and the guests that have stopped by, just tremendous. So hand, hats off to you guys. Really, really fun stuff.
0: Uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun doing it. And the one thing that we get consistent comments on is the quality of our intro and outro music. I mean, it, it people actually beg us, could you please put up... The, no. you know, clips to that sound. They, so we we actually put the MP3s out there on the file. I'm sure there's people that are driving around or running on a treadmill with uh, with your songs on an endless loop. I'm it's, one of them.
2: It's That's, you know, more kazoo will make the world a better place. It's simply <laughs> a fact. So I'm so happy to contribute.
1: And I tell you, the uh, the, the closing theme, which I think we'll, we'll play in its entirety, you know, at the end, uh, many, many minutes from now, um, It uh, every time I hear that one too, it just... I, I get this vibe that says, I just listen to a real show. You know, this is this is a real thing. This isn't just, a, you know, the, the world doesn't have to know that I'm just a, a nerd sitting here in my pajamas at my desk. Well, it doesn't <laughs> you know? matter. And it's and, funny uh,
2: because I, I only kind of do things one way and it's kind of just do it. And I, all I was going for was like Johnny Carson's sort of game show jazzy yes. wrap up. And, and it was actually Jim's idea to do that thing uh, in that sort of metric subdivision to give it that overall feel. So it was... It, it just came natural, and, and all it was was you know, is the TV you and I were watching together back in the day, yeah, man. exactly. Simple. Yeah, I, <laughs>
0: all, all I said was, I said, Could you do it? I don't know if this will work, but could you do it in six eight? And, and he turns around, and all of a sudden, it's Lalo Schifrin coming out of the speakers. It's exactly, <laughs> oh, yeah. well. the Mannix theme, it's wow. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I get a lot of different sort of 70s TV vibes out of it. Uh, it's, you know, it's uh, like the literally, outro to Bob Newhart, and no, no, it's all it's, that it's, kind of stuff, but you get. It's
2: Westwood Elementary School. It's latchkey kid. I was reading (laughs) this thing about Gen Xers, right? (laughs) Talking about, you know, us latchkey kids and spending all of this time at home alone, unsupervised. And I just kept thinking, that's flight sim, that's speed racer, (laughs) you know, and sometimes we push into the evening, we get some SWAT, some Wonder Woman but that's where all of this stuff has come from. I mean, <laughs> what would I be exactly without that right. those those latchkey hours, man? Yeah,
0: yeah. All, all that
1: those Jeopardy and music and the, and
0: entertainment yes. tonight it's just it's, it's, it's all there.
2: It's just in there. It's part oh, of the man. DNA. It's in your cells.
1: And sitting there and not to go so too far down the road of inside (laughs) baseball and personal reminiscences, but uh, Tom, you remember, yeah, way too late. Uh, Everybody just, just uh, stop for a minute because. Rocketeers coming. Rocketeers coming. We promise you that. But Tom, you remember sitting in, uh, in that uh, uh, computer lab and I think it was uh, maybe part of, it was in junior high, probably part of Gene Methvin's, uh, the dear late Gene Methvin's uh, computer class, working on, uh, working on trying this assignment where we were supposed to code a version of Tic Tac doe because that was the teacher's favorite game show. I do remember Tic <laughs> remember his engineer. Yeah, yep. I remember you and I working together on the the music piece of it. I was doing a little bit more of the coding, and you were, of course, laying out the notes and stuff like that. And note. it
2: was, you know, okay. What what number equals which pitch? Kind <laughs> yeah, of thing. Yeah,
1: exactly. Crazy and I think you like... and I were the only ones who actually a- accomplished any part the part of the project that was assigned to us. Whoever <S laughs> was supposed to actually make a playable game, you know, didn't <laughs> no, happen. So uh, detention for them.
2: More misspent youth in, in yes. un, unsupervised closets it's just what happens guys it's great <laughs> get out there and create that's exactly what it is. just be doing
0: uh well we were talking about a guy who wears a rocket pack on his uh, on, on his yeah back. let shall and we as, we as, were indeed. As we do. and we're uh, we're now what 63 minutes into this movie already crazy
2: stuff and it's hard back, to believe
0: back in the center of all the music of the rocketeer which is the south seas club uh, we're watching the uh, you know the producer's niece and the and the uh, line editors uh, girlfriend and all <laughs> the other people that are dressed up in tuxedos w- watching a, uh, a voiceless uh, dance of of Jenny and Neville and I, I the, as I was looking at second three I kept looking at Jennifer Connolly's ear and I'm trying to figure out if she's wearing a uh, like some kind of a headpiece you know like a hearing aid or something to pick up noise it doesn't look like the normal you know cochlea there uh well, that's it, it looks like there's some kind of a some kind of a flesh tone fixture in i there. think she so. well, just has
2: odd physiology perhaps i don't know
0: I'm
1: you may be to, the uh, first person in history to say that about jennifer connelly yes. Tom, but, i uh, mean if if uh, that
2: is her with only her? <laughs> flaw yes, if, <laughs> I, I mean if we're if we're if we're picking on the inner ear canal forming, i mean this woman is oh good gracious
3: <laughs>
0: she's what we're fighting for so um actually, yes, you know what I'm I'm doing is I'm am going through uh <laughs> I typed in Jennifer Connolly ear in Google oh, service and mm-hmm. this I' is have not just, going to end well I've just discovered something you only see her left ear at any given time uh, if, if you, it Google, must be
1: her right ear because this is yeah but I'm we're looking, looking at her right ear in this scene
0: yeah I know but I just
2: wait
1: the late James Horner has something to
2: say <laughs> Ooh, something's dangerous. Oh, what can it be? Okay, I have, I have found no, a, letter, okay.
0: a little, a picture from her in little children, and I will accept that her ear formation is, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> There's something different about her ear. I just, that that right ear is just mysterious and spooky.
2: Well, Um, we worked on a trailer. Uh, One of the early things I was on way, way, way back was uh, for A Beautiful Mind. And so I got to watch Jennifer Connelly in every conceivable, alluring, seductive, beautiful, amazing shot over and over for about two months. So... She's a lovely lady, and I do do enjoy looking at her. There's no doubt.
1: And then uh, somebody paid you for this. You're yeah, saying. I, did, you're, I did. You're telling me this was a job?
2: <laughs> yeah, it was. It was but. <laughs> I've also had to watch John Travolta for that same time frame. Not <laughs> nearly as a... Nothing against the guy, but, you know. he Was he wearing a white evening dress? But uh, no, he was flirting with <laughs> Halle Berry in a not very good movie called Nevermind. Oh, wait, that's uh,
0: uh, Catfish? No, uh, no, Swordfish. Yeah, Swordfish, yeah, I remember yes. that one. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Oh. yes. <laughs> Those lines so, of
2: dialogue yeah. that you just have to hear again and again. Right. You know, why did yeah. they choose that as the tagline? Yes. I do not get it.
1: Anyway. Wow. I was well, going to well, ask what? if he was swapping faces with Nick Cage, but... No, uh, <laughs> no, that's... That's the first film time I,
2: yeah, that's the first time I ever heard Hans Zimmer do a film score. Was on Face Off, but uh, wow! Anyhow,
0: <laughs> what an intro! Uh, <laughs> but anyway, we go from the two perfect uh, perfect profiles of uh, Tim. Gosh, Tim Dalton, the man who has more mm. game than anybody. Mm. Else. Yeah, yes. he's just fantastic in this film.
1: So suave.
0: Yeah, and we go to the uh, yet another shadow, a gigantic looming shadow. Only this time, instead of Lothar, it's the Rocketeer himself.
1: That's uh, such a. Such a cool shot, and so, you know, such a, a, a nice noir nod that we see so much in this movie, this, that use of shadow, and this is a, it's a great convincing effect, because the shadow comes down, and we don't jump cut, I don't think, shadow comes down, and then Billy steps right into frame and Right costume. into,
2: yeah, there's no cut at all, he's already there. there.
1: So he steps steps right in, and it seems seamless, and all makes good sense. You know, while we're we're talking about just this instant, uh, so sort of very quickly, there's a couple of what I thought were interesting things on the wall back there. First, it seemed a little bit odd that uh, you would see NRA posters uh, on the side of the South Seas Club. My first thought was, what you know, what does the NRA really? How do they fit into this? Luckily, I educated myself, in that those posters were uh, actually part of. a uh, a part of fdr's new deal he created an agency called the national recovery administration and it was uh, um, by some definitions it was uh, it was attempt to sort of lightly socialize a lot of uh, a lot of big businesses at the time Um, you sort of bringing industry labor Government, they all come together and uh, set minimum wages and maximum hours, and they would they would uh, set prices and things like that, which is interesting because it's it was it was an attempt to uh, sort of reduce. Competition, but uh, but the whole idea of price setting is something that normally businesses get in trouble for. But apparently, mm. at that point, under the auspices of the government, it was okay. Uh, agency didn't last very long. The program didn't last very long. It started in '33. It was really dissolved in '35. But there was uh, there was enough of it was sort of a stigma. If you didn't have that sign up in your business, you you had stood a pretty good chance of getting boycotted. Hmm. So it certainly seems plausible to me that you'd have some of those left even by here by '38 that we're uh, we're talking about in the movie.
0: It it was unconstitutional, wasn't it? yeah it was ruled serves. it
1: was ruled unconstitutional and it's you know certainly in in retrospect you know we don't do politics on the show, but it certainly seemed like a fairly uh, fairly sort of bold heavy handed uh, heavy handed move on the, on the part of the government, but that was also created at a point where you know everybody's goal was to somehow get out from under the great depression mm so, yeah. so it, was a, that,
2: it was an incentive more than anything and so bending rules for the purpose of the greater good was okay then at the time yeah yeah
1: i think in in many ways that was the case and it was it was incentive but there were certainly some teeth to it too when you hmm. you know it, it, when you have an incentive that's created by the the uh the group that makes the rules yeah right you
2: know. <laughs> yeah. i wonder if, <laughs> if they had any rules about incentive uh, one many... hand stick in the other hand
0: right exactly <laughs> yes <laughs> I wonder if there are any rules about how fast you could pay off uh, three hundred gallons of uh, aviation. Yeah, the, that's a good question.
1: If you pond, yeah, how much uh, how much you had to make to do that. Then um, the only other thing that uh, that was really readable to me here, and there's a few things that are intriguing. But there's a couple of posters uh, announcing uh, uh, Wayne King, which at first I have to admit um, I thought, well, maybe there was a British person on the set because uh, Wayne King is sort of a uh, you know naughty British schoolboy slang term for somebody if you say it quickly. I I won't bother on a family show, but but young British kids will giggle when you say the name Wayne King because it sounds like it yeah. sounds like a verb. Okay. Um but uh anyway that was Wayne King, uh, a band leader of the day, um probably best known for the song Goodnight Sweetheart, which uh um if you like this era, then you might really like a a BBC series from several years ago starring the amazing uh, Dervla Kerwin. Called "Goodnight, Sweetheart" and uses that song as its theme. It's about a it's a, a lot of time travel. A guy from modern day London keeps jumping back to the London uh, in 1940 during the Blitz. Hmm. But anyway, you got Wayne King, and he's playing at the Coconut, Coconut Grove, Grove yeah. yeah, which is in the Ambassador Hotel.
2: Can, I don't. Uh, I don't see a year. I see a Tuesday, October fourth. But Tuesday, no... October
1: fourth, which uh, now we know this is nineteen thirty-eight, and this the date that in the the movie is is I think we're at October fifteenth now, right, Jim? Right,
0: that's right. We're in
2: Saturday
1: night. Yeah. So it's either so, a year
2: old or a year and something.
1: Well, actually, no. So I think it no. was. Uh, it works out. October fourth, nineteen thirty-eight, was a Tuesday.
2: Interesting. Oh, okay.
1: So so, so this, this is was a, a,
2: this is the the year just happened. Right. So
1: happened. this is a poster that was up, and you know this happened. 11 days ago and uh, interesting and that sort of thing. But Tuesday,
2: uh, the Oct- October they, somebody did that. This is what kills me about the movie. Exactly. Somebody Dave, had yeah, to Dave do Stevens the math. Stunning. Yeah. <laughs> somebody
1: actually just had to say what date was, uh, was October 4th. And then, you know, thinking about let's make these posters and these, uh, you know, sort of these various bills to post along this wall and then let's age them. Yeah, it could have uh, been corrugated metal. It would have played yeah. similarly somehow. Right. Let's tear but... them up a little bit. But but a splash of color and a splash yeah. of detail. Well,
0: and, and also just just one other thing that's buried underneath the Wayne King one is uh, uh, you can't take it with oh, you. Oh, there mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, yeah. that
1: one wasn't always in focus. But yeah, you can't yeah. take it with you. Yeah. Tucked and, away. Uh,
0: that was uh, that was based on the, the George S. Kaufman uh, and uh, Moss Hart play. Uh, later, a, a Capra film: Gene Arthur, Lionel Barrymore, Jimmy Stewart. Right. And The frame I'm on, I st- go ahead. Go sorry. ahead. I'm, no, no, go right. Well, go right I, st-
2: ahead. I see girls. I'm distracted. I'm sorry. Right to the left of you can't <laughs> oh, take yeah. it with you. Something says girls. Something says mm,
1: girls.
0: Girls of girls of somethington or girls, girls of
2: perdition.
1: Or and then do we see
2: a Netflix. baseball on the tiny little one right in front of where his nose would be? It looks like a baseball. I don't know. I, I have a very large 4K yeah. and I'm getting as good as I can get here. So crazy yeah, like, the detail. But and and that and but that, the, anyway. that you
0: that you can't take it yeah. with you came out in August. So that's about a
2: four month old. Okay. Poster. Okay. so that would
0: be at the bottom of that pile of overlaid posters. So yeah. they're even layered correctly.
1: correctly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, then just... uh, there's a couple of a uh, couple of ads for some sort of weight loss scheme. Lose fat. <laughs> off to the left. <laughs> Can you so see that the number? Send a... it to me. Text me. It's yeah. <laughs> the same year, man. And who knows? It looks like maybe some kind of uh, some kind of a tablet that you would take. So at first, I was picturing one of those belts where you just <laughs> stand there and the belt shakes your waist. <laughs> shaky, and somehow... shaky belt. Yes, and then off to the left, there's something about drums, which is intriguing to me, but I just couldn't tell you uh. It's what, well, maybe uh, they were is. figuring
0: that the uh, uh, musicians that were on smoke breaks, although they didn't have to go outside to smoke. Yeah, they could smoke maybe, it. <laughs> yeah, maybe the mu- musicians were just hanging out back for some other, other uh, ingestibles. Right.
2: Uh, or another the, reason that's political that I won't say. Ah, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I wish I knew what that red arrow was that we just that's just outside the frame. It's pointing. I'm assuming that's like the stage entrance or something. Oh, right. It looks like
2: an A on a poster with
1: wings, maybe? I don't know. Hmm. Oh, I think you guys are looking at the opposite end. So, Tom, uh, you're yeah. seeing the NRA posters oh, there. Okay, the yeah, I got to go back. Okay, right. So, Jim's oh, I talking see, about... Yeah, no, the neon. Yes, got it. Right, right, yeah, the
0: neon there. And technically, this is the... I'm just trying to f- remember in future minutes. The... The South Seas Club is on the northwest corner of Hollywood and Vine, at least according to the layout. So this would be the southwest corner of
2: Hollywood and Vine.
0: Yeah. Okay. So we are at Hollywood and Vine, not too far from Schraffs, which would be actually if he went out that if he went out that way down Hollywood Boulevard. This he's coming out on the Hollywood Boulevard side of Hollywood and Vine. If he had made the left past the on Vine Street, Schraff, um, Schwab's, Schwab's uh, drugstore would be around the corner mm-hmm. where people uh-huh. like Lana Turner, a lot of people were. Somebody could go and get way. discovered,
1: exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Although ah, he good. doesn't really want to get
2: discovered. And, and now all you get is Dirty Elmo and Filthy Spider-Man out there. It's awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dirty
1: yeah. Elmo and Filthy Spider-Man. It's, it's, it's wow. quite,
2: a, quite a scene up in that area these days, it's, guys. It's, yeah, it's peculiar
1: to think that uh, with Jim in Texas and me in Wisconsin that Tom you uh, you could just push pause and run out there and, well, and give us it, give us a live report. Reporting I'm I'm live ways,
2: from Hollywood and Vine. I I I'm, I'm I'm just far enough away for sanity's sake and <laughs> traffic's sake. It, it would actually I'm about 40 miles away but it would take me uh, what time is it? It would take me about 2 hours to get there oh, right geez. now.
0: And if if I'm if I'm remembering my 1930s uh, geography correctly when he's looking as he ta- as as uh, the rocketeer takes off his helmet i think he's looking at the pantages theater that would be across the street on hollywood boulevard which is
2: still there now
0: yeah so he's uh and actually if he if he went to the right he would actually be getting into the hollywood uh the, the Hollywood uh, subway stop. Subway, yeah, it's right there. Yeah, yep. with, with those big plastic palm trees. And the things. Red
2: Line. Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> Which is one of my favorite, that's one of my favorite uh, subway stops in uh, in Los Angeles because the entire interior is made out of old 35 millimeter film it's... reels. That...
2: that whole area is actually, I mean, oh, f- cool. filthy Omo notwithstanding, <laughs> you know, the Kodak and then there's the big, you know, gothic Neo throwback uh, sculpture that opens into that, promenade that goes up behind the Kodak it's a it's a very oh, yeah. very cool yeah, area Dolby over theater there and all yeah, that.
0: yeah the, the, uh, the remake of um, oh gosh was it um, Intolerance I think that's you know the ones with the, the, the giant elephants and things like that yes. it's a, it, totally tourist but it's perfect no it, it,
2: it works and still standing on the stars looking up at it with the Academy Award theater to your left and you can see the Pantages down it's pretty cool and the L-rays yeah, across and, and the, the Egyptian, street behind the, you
3: and yeah. all of that stuff oh how yeah. cool
0: uh,
1: you know, it's funny you mentioned the red line. The L cap, always, not the L Ray, the L cap. Oh, the El Capitan.
2: Yeah, the L cap, across the Cross Street. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, it, it just it reminded me. You mentioned uh, you mentioned the red line. Uh, I always remember for whatever reason. it was in Valencia, California, um, and where they
0: filmed the Bulldog. So
1: yeah, that's right. And I was uh, was down there with some friends, uh, friends from high school, and just after, and uh, we were we went to see Who Framed Roger Rabbit on opening night. And there's a line in, in that movie which I dearly, dearly love. Um, but there's a line in the movie where they make some reference to, uh, you know, eventually building some some uh, big super highways and whatever. And then somebody says, you know, we Why would we want? Why does anybody need highways in LA? We've got the best public transportation system in the world, and all the locals just died. Laugh, you know, everybody's yeah. just died laughing at how how ridiculous that was, and the others kind of looked at each other, and said, "Okay, I guess that was funny." Why but you, you know, it, we would were definitely not in when the you joke. Can take the
2: red line for a
1: nickel. For a nickel. Yeah. Like, exactly, yeah, you guys yeah. know the line.
2: And the thing yeah. is that that here, it, it, LA is a very interesting place because it's it. You can see that underlying. Public transit. I was just up there yesterday. I took my mother in law and we went and saw uh, Harry Potter uh, at the Hollywood Bowl live. So they show the film oh, live. Yeah, we
1: saw your some of your pictures yeah, from that. that and was
2: the LA Phil so cool. was playing. It was really cool. But but moreover, we parked, we, they do this shuttle thing. And so we parked over by the LA Zoo, which is part of Griffith Park. And so we took a bus th- sort of through Griffith Park and then up the back of Universal, over Barham Boulevard, down onto Hollywood, you know, on the 101. You forget all that stuff is really small, actually. Yeah. And L.A. is this, like, giant overlay that stretches 100 miles north to south and 90 miles east to the coast. But in the middle of it is this little nugget that was originally Hollywood, and it's it's completely doable by a bunch of streetcars. And the whole freeway and stretching to the suburbs thing, is it, 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 it sits on top, like I said, of this little gem of Hollywood that still survives in the middle, and it's living here 30 years, I still forget that sometimes. You know, the suburbs have become as much L.A. as Hollywood, but that whole little thing in the middle is really cool to just see and be a part of sometimes.
0: And this movie does really capture a bit of that. It does. you, You get the idea of what Hollywood is like. I mean, when you walk around nowadays in Hollywood Boulevard, a lot of it's been kind of overlaid with a bunch of tourist stuff. Yeah. But occasionally you'll see the old house. You'll see, you know, the, the, the studio apartments that are above Hollywood and things like that. And that's that was there in the time of Douglas Fairbanks and stuff. And this, this captures that whole, that smell you, of, you of can. Hollywood.
2: You can picture the, these people doing these things that are romanticized in the movies, but then history tells us that this actually happened and they actually walked there. And if you take a minute, it's not real hard to put back together. You know, it's kind of cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we had uh, we had W. C. Fields' grandson on the other day, uh, Ron Fields, mm. and he was talking about how his uh, his grandpa was known as, uh, as Uncle Bill, and he hung around with a bunch of actors that were known as the Bundy Bunch because they they all lived up by Bundy. Off of Bundy. And you know, and, and you can think of that as a like that was a neighborhood. It was a company town. Yeah, the
2: company, the, you know, the companies
0: that they worked for. They just happened to make movies. And uh, they
2: were all, you know, just working Joes. That's it. Uh, and it's like, oh, my gosh, we have to go to the Disney lot. It's in Burbank. Oh, God, it's going to take all day. And now yeah. it's like, that. that's that's nothing, you know. Oh, it's just over the hill. Yeah, you got to take Barum, But that, that's a lot better than if you tell me it's like in Valencia. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> yeah. You know.
3: Yeah, it, there goes the week. It's, yeah, Exactly. Uh,
0: well, of, well, well speak, speaking of driving in cars, when we watch, uh, after we get a brief scene of yeah. uh of the beautiful Jennifer Connelly mm-hmm. and, and and Timothy Dalton doing their thing. Uh we're back looking at that excellent uh neon sign of uh, South Seas and we see the Buick Roadmaster that had previously pulled up in front of the uh the bulldog drive right in front of uh, our hero. Right, that yeah, made, that that
1: yeah. Buick goes by then they uh there's another Buick, uh, I think it's a 33 Buick that's parked just sort of parked on the curb kind of in the mid uh the mid foreground there. If I'm remembering correctly, it's off to I think it's off to the right in the uh, with the headlights on kind of facing the camera is a 34 Ford uh, Tudor. So yeah. just, just such beautiful set dressing. And just say yeah. absolutely do not make them like that anymore.
0: And such an iconic scene of, uh, you know, he, he looks like he's about to walk into the saloon. He's kind of a, you know, a Gary Cooper look to him just marching up to the... <laughs> The watering hole. Right. And getting ready to do his business with the bad guys. But I do that, have uh, I do
2: have one one complaint and I always have this and I always have, uh, being an LA native, unless they every single movie that's ever happened that's been set in LA happened between <laughs> January first
1: <laughs> okay, I know where you're going
2: and with this. I mean at the very outside, like the second week in March, those streets were not wet <laughs> at any time. Yes. So <laughs> it's like uh, it's very romantic and it's very lovely, but it's like oh boy, another real, you know, okay, maybe late October. I'll give him that. It could it could happen. Usually late October, it's one hundred and five. One last time, just to remind you where you live. But the, anyway, sorry, nitpick. So, <coughs> yeah, well, another little. See, uh, this,
0: this is the, this is the same Saturday when there weren't any. You know, we saw him flying around in the in beautiful uh,
2: Simpsons cloud sky. Right. Okay. That's um, true.
0: So it's just maybe they had just filmed a movie there and they watered down the streets, or, like oh, or it it's
2: super humid and they got one of those things that happens every three years
1: in October. Right. Could be. We'll yeah. give it to you. We'll give it to you. <laughs> we'll have to look at the historic weather uh, weather reports. Somebody See it. get it did a did rain farmer's rain. almanac yes, in here. Exactly. And another yeah. little Roger Rabbit refer- reference. I'm remembering Benny the Cab. Just you know, how about oh. this weather? Huh? It
3: never <laughs> rains. <laughs> so,
1: Don't make me would... play Eddie's theme. I'll do it. I'll do. <laughs> I I, I double dog dare you I love Um,
2: that oh man I love that that movie I've watched that movie so much it's so good anyway we digress another great Disney property that should be celebrated yeah, yeah, that's
0: true, and it's all and it's all set in uh, Griffith Park yeah. too, with uh, Toontown. That's, I mean, yeah. gosh,
2: it's the romantic heart of L.A. The, you know, looking at I have it frozen right now. The, the the club and the cars and all. That's why I moved here. I mean, that's what was in my mind in Washington. Going, I got to get into the middle of that. You know, yes, get out of the rain, but. It was this romance that 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 it was the allure of all of this that brought me down here, no doubt about it.
1: And that, that whole facade, that whole entryway to the South Seas Club is so, you know, it's, it, it's beautiful art deco mm-hmm. elements and things, but with this, you know, this dash of, you know, they're thinking South Pacific, but for me, the color scheme and stuff sort of says, you know, vintage Miami, maybe even vintage Havana, those yeah. pinks and the neons and God, that gorgeous art deco font, everything about it just, it just looks right. You You want to go in and... And I I think you know exactly what to expect when you do go in.
0: Yeah, you want to order a highball, <laughs> right? We, <laughs> and tip tip the
2: band leader, people.
1: Please yeah, tip exactly. the band leader. Yeah, take it from us. Okay, when Please. we were thirteen, Please. we were we were desperate for those tips. We
2: don't mind yeah. playing in the mood one more time for you. Yeah, that's right. But we really, or I was satin down, doll. What, take the A train, whatever yeah. it is. We'll play it. Just me uh, down in New Orleans. Yeah those, we,
0: yeah, those reeds don't grow on trees. They, oh, wait, they they right. do. But well, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah hmm, that's a funny one. I have to yeah. not use yeah. that. Let's see. Hmm. Okay. No, down. In New Orleans, it's really funny. You go to like Preservation Jazz Hall, and they're just really straight up about it. On the back, it there's a price tag, and it's like request is five bucks. This song is this bucks and saints go marching in is fifty. It's just <laughs> oh, it's just right there on the wall. That's There's, awesome. It just leaves it. You don't even have to talk about it anymore. Mm. So
1: it's like the guitar store in Wayne's World. No stairway yeah. to heaven. Right? Just they're, don't do they're it. Just, they're, just they're very specific.
2: Straight up, don't do it. Yes. Uh-oh. Oh, now, well, we, now we, superior we, humans again. See in the next frame, old cars look superior humans. Oh, yeah. good grief.
0: And we've got the uh, we, we've got. The, the Neville clear evil theme that comes in there that big it, it starts that little bit of a rush that you know, yeah. and uh, he's yeah. just so so darned evil he really yes
1: really so suave it's funny too because there's uh every time I listen to this i I, I go back and forth I convince myself that he says it and I convince myself that he doesn't but I think he says uh, he says that uh, you know at the end of the line about a man will lose himself that uh, that that he will drown. And then he puts a, a, a tiny D, D at the end, which uh. is an occasional sort of British thing to talk about something that's drowning and everything else. But it's, it's just an intriguing little affectation notice, to me.
2: I, I did forget, actually, if we go back super quickly to... Um, back to music score, we get a little uh, cross-lap. It's very interesting. In the previous scene with the superior humans before we see our art deco shadow, right? Right. They chose to leave that silent. Yeah. And I, I always like to look at choices that these music supervisors and filmmakers make. And so... You know, just notice on playback next time that that you have a, a silent room, which allows Horner to give us generic danger on the shadow, big horn crescendo as we come down, right. and then he tells us it's okay with a little bit of Rocketeer theme, very lightly as the helmet yes. comes off. You know, and so it's just, it, and that had to be thought of, written out on a piece of paper, and performed by a hundred musicians. And so just that little throwaway moment. Gives us three pieces of information that play completely without dialogue that tell us something about what's happening in our movie. I love it. Well, and, and,
0: and he bats them back, like every scene, he bats it back and forth with a forte note, just kind of a bep, bep, you know, with a little sting at the and
2: end. You, and you forget. You take it for granted. It's just another actor in the play, and yet it's, it, his commentary throughout this whole picture is so beautiful. And, and now back to your, to your, your moment with our, right. with our baddie. You know, he, he does the same foreshadowing, hinting, coloring all over the place. It's just
1: awesome. You know, Tom, one of the things that really, really stuck with me uh, when you were one of our very first guests uh, back uh, 60, 60 minutes ago, 60 <laughs> episodes ago, was you are talking about the theme and you were playing it for us. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beg you to do that again here in a moment just because I love it so much. You're talking about that theme and you said what, what Horner was doing is, at the beginning is he's teaching us a song. Yeah. And that was profound to me because he said you're teaching us a song. He's getting us familiar with it. And then when we hear it again, then throughout the movie, with all the different variations, whether we go a little bit minor or we go, we punch it up, we make it dramatic, all these different things, you know, we know what that song is. We know that song. It's uh, as you said. It's uh, it, it, the score uh, becomes a member of the cast. Yes, becomes, a, becomes an important supporting player. But I that that really stuck with me. And it's it's changing how I, I look at other movies. At least at least anything that has what to me is a memorable thematic. score.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it it really is. And and it's if you do it right and not to say that I mean the, we're talking about giants here, you know. So I always have to put a little caveat there that Horner is one of the thematic geniuses of the, of the of the, you know, medium really. And uh when you get it right like that, this moment is a great moment to show. You know, he doesn't say anything. Is it really him under the hood? We don't really know. But as soon as you... Oh, yeah, okay, it's fine. There it is. You, you, don't, you don't need anything more because it's there. And the way he's constructed it and the way he's using it and he's fragmenting these themes now, it just gives you the, the vocabulary, as you say, to, to, to interact with the story in a way that an actor would. And it's often a lot of times what young composers miss, Right, They look at a movie as every scene is an individual element to be tackled, and you knock them out one at a time, Right, the process right. of scoring a film. And you really have to look at the process of scoring a film as finding the words first, and then y- y- you can't be saying foreign words in the middle of a conversation or you'll confuse people. And so Horner is so good at being true to these, and here we are, 63 minutes. He's he's not interjecting a lot of new information at that point. He's relying on the songs you already know to to teach you what steps to do to the dance it's it's a beautiful thing you know it really really is fun to see it come together like this
1: and such a it's always fascinating to me and i think you were talking a moment ago about choices that music supervisors make and even even mentioned you know the silence obviously uh, for this scene the silence is important because you know that's part of uh, sort of neville's uh seduction here yeah. is, is dancing with her when there's no music you know i think that's something uh you know, you and I have talked a lot about John Williams, and of course, we've been talking about Star Wars since we were eight. Yeah, uh, but uh, you you go back and watch uh, episode four in particular, and, and by comparison to moder- so a lot of modern films not not a blanket statement but it can be surprising as to how much silence there is, and that can be you know that can be a powerful a powerful tool. You don't always need to be right there, sort of in the audience's face telling them exactly what to feel. Like I said, in this scene, you know, we're using the silence very specifically, but interesting to note when you when you do hear that employed as a strategy from time to time.
2: Well, it's it's really fun. I mean, when you think fun, there's a funny word. It's interesting to watch the parallels, and it's a, it's a story I'll tell, often to younger people uh, talking about playing jazz music, right? You'll meet a young person that's got a lot of chops, and I I, I know a thousand percent I was guilty of this. Just because you can doesn't mean you should, right? <laughs> this philosophy feeds a lot of different things, and there's the, the classic story of Miles Davis talking to young musicians, and you know the musicians are going, man, we dig all of the licks you play and the way you put the licks together, but... You know, what What I appreciate so much is that sense of space that you put into your solos. And, you know, how do you get that sense of space? And Michael says, take the horn out your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so true, you know, and, and in scoring a movie, it's the same thing. Sometimes you'll say the best way to let this resonate is to just do it quietly and, we call it an erase fest. Sometimes you'll score a cue, big, long cue. You've got it chuck full of every idea you can think of to see what sticks. And slowly you go through and you start going, no, nah, that stinks. Don't need it. Stepping on dialogue. This sucks. That sticks out too far. Pretty soon you've got it down to like three piano notes and a cello holding this thing. And pretty soon you just push mute and it plays. And you go, you know what, Mr. Director, with all due respect... I think you already have it here and all I'm going to do is be a distraction. And when they listen to you and it's going very deeply into it, but the worst feeling is you're at a playback for a film you've been working on and you're sitting there and another scene starts up and the music cue comes in and it's 90 minutes into the film. And all you can think to yourself is, Oh, for good God's sake, man, shut up. (laughs) Just please stop playing music for five seconds in this and give it a breath. And When they've made choices like this and they've given the music time to breathe and the dialogue time to come to the front and even completely quiet scenes where you have a beautiful image and a wind blowing through a tree leaf and it's just the foley and a little bit of walla, and that's all. It makes the moments so much more poignant when they're there. And so I'm a huge, the composer actually wants to tell the composer to play less, please. And it's not because I'm just trying to write less music and do less work, I promise.
0: (laughs) Uh, well, we get a nice, we get a nice break, at least a couple of beats in between the uh, the Neville uh, Sinclair theme, but just before we go into uh, and we go from Horner to uh, in a sentimental mood, and it just, and, it, there it, and is. it just really sets the whole thing up so that you have that that launch pad,
1: and you, you've got that moment where their noses are just about to touch, and you know you think you know what's going to happen, and then it's you know it it could have been played uh, awkwardly, it could have been played for laughs with a. You know with a much punchier song but uh it's it's just it's the exact right amount of musical interruption that keeps the diffuses that instant of tension but keeps uh, keeps the mood in the same place as that clarinet comes back in and i love that the that you know it's a, the band leader and i love we're leading again with the clarinet as we did with uh, begin the beginning yes
2: for me it works so well because like you say it, it it they're not gonna kiss but he's not gonna pick her up and throw her over his head you know we're not right. we're not going to the mask okay now it's this silly breakdown dance number yeah keeps the sexy high but it lets the moment go in right. t- the tastiest of way. and what a tune this is my goodness i mean oh, yeah. you got duke, duke ellington it's an amazing song it's a wonderful melody that Band. I mean, the Duke Ellington band immediately puts you in the period. And so it couldn't have been a better choice for the setting. The instrumentation on the stage is correct. Yeah. Uh, again, they, they, to me, they did it all right. And they, they of all of the tunes they could have chosen from that era that that band played, they picked a maybe tiny bit more obscure one than something like, you know, As Time Goes By or some more right contemporary song. That, th- this is not a really ridiculously well-known love song. But it's one of the best of the bunch.
0: Yeah, be. and it was arranged by Billy May, so this is like he's mm-hmm. right in the you know he was there doing this stuff back in the day,
2: at the day. Yeah, it's the real deal.
0: And, and it perfectly matched too with the editing of the of the dancing. I mean, we're watching we're watching Neville spinning Jenny around like a you know like a pull start motor. She's <laughs> boom, yeah, off she goes, and, and it just throws you. Right, you're you're part of the
2: dance, swept away. Yeah. Well, it's funny. There's another one. uh... Uh, Here's another tune that I'll tell you. So you've got this beautiful theme, you know. And this is the part that you hear. But this song has the most incredible middle part that you don't hear in the film, but it's it's really cool. And it's what makes this song so unique to me because you got this kind of minor... skip to the middle part. Here's the bridge. Major. to that part again just a a lovely section of a piece that nobody got to hear because it's the middle of a an obscure song and when they use it they use the hook these days so there you go there's the bridge to in a sentimental for you (laughs) good gosh that was amazing
0: uh uh, yeah it's and you wish they had uh, a non-director's cut because joe johnson cut it out but if you if they had an extended (laughs) version
2: just watch them dance for a couple more minutes i wouldn't mind so about that, I don't know, I was doing a little research on the soundtrack, and I guess they did a re-release of it um, some years ago, went back to the original master recordings, and this is while James was still alive, and he and a fellow named Sean Murphy, who actually mixed the soundtrack with James, put some number of minutes, 20, 30 minutes of whether it didn't make the score, didn't make the soundtrack, was outtakes, they did custom remixes of certain arrangements to make more of certain main themes. I I guess it's a it's quite a thing, and and James was very involved in it, and like I said, Sean mixed it, and so something yeah, it's, to it's look a, it's into. Beautiful,
0: I've I've seen it. It's a it's do you know $110 it? Yeah, for the CD. I've, <laughs> well, I haven't there yet you to go. Cross that bridge yet? But they have, and it has everything in it, like uh, the laughing bandit theme, all that stuff that's playing around while they're sword fighting. There. Yeah,
2: the incidental stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it,
0: it's made, and even the um, Nazi uh, propaganda film. They have all that. Uh, themes and you know and it's it's fully orchestrated so it's just a beautiful thing without
2: all the filters too so mm, so nice yeah that and that's the other thing i read yeah that the the packaging itself was just unbelievable
0: yeah so uh,
2: well sean I must have it have you talked about have you talked about <laughs> sean murphy is that name no, come up I, at all
0: i'm not talking about sean murphy
2: so he's a he's a music mixer and uh so what that means is he uh sometimes does most of the time does record the orchestra so You write the score, you get the score approved by the director, then you go sit with an orchestra. The orchestra gets recorded, then that orchestral recording gets taken back and gets mixed as a recording of an orchestra, and then that recording of an orchestra gets mixed again as an element in the film with the dialogue and the sound effects and all of the other things, right? So Sean is the guy that mixed the film mix of the music, but didn't mix the film, obviously, right? Right. So And Sean... Famously enough, uh, is the known confidant of once again Monsignor Williams, uh, and has uh-huh. recorded every single Star Wars since 1977, and is currently doing uh, the newest one with uh, with John in LA right now. So
0: when when you're when you're in that job, how many tracks are you handing over to the film editor or the audio editor at that point? Like how many how many are they expecting you to hand them?
2: It's changed over time. It used to be you know they wanted a stereo mix and that was it wow. and then they wanted the you know the the surround breakouts and then they wanted food groups and any more they want stems and so a lot of the time you're giving them short strings, long strings, brass, high perk, low perk, sound effects and pads, choirs. You know, you're giving them a dozen to two dozen stereo tracks. Okay. And then they're taking those breakouts and that allows them so sometimes for the good, sometimes for the bad, to manipulate the music in a way that you didn't intend. And so, a guy like Sean Murphy in like this special release is a great example of that. The composer and the mixer of the film might not see eye to eye on the presentation of the music. You know, you have to know that your ideal stereo mix in a pair of headphones with no competition is probably not going to do the job the same way that when they turn the main melody down except for the one moment when you want to be swept away. And that's how the film mixer would mix it, right? The more flexibility they get, in one sense, they've done a lot of bad stuff because they've screwed up a lot of really good-sounding music with some poor choices. But I found they've done more good than bad, and here's why. Now they can turn elements down that are getting in the way instead of just grabbing the stereo mix and turning the music down. You know yeah, what so I mean? It's not a
0: duck under. You're sure. actually just you're more hearing it in parts, and somebody it...
2: they're helping you be a better composer because you made a poor choice rather than just turning your entire thing down because you're an idiot, right? <laughs> 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 and so, and, and that really is the trick. If you've written the music correctly, then nobody should have to be mixing anything because it should be sitting where it belongs. That's you know, if all goes according to plan, which it never does.
3: Yeah.
0: Now, do, do they ever I mean, do they ask it for you? In I mean, my familiarity with with audio mixes is like uh, with kits and stuff they ever ask you to do for a movie like give me the bridge give me a chorus and give me a verse and then swapping back and forth that way
2: or they so it's interesting that's more of a concept where and i do both kinds of work i scored a picture but i also have a music library uh called brand x and one of the things that we do is a lot of music for licensing that's what it's for and so we have a catalog and so a user will come through and take a piece of music and use it in their production but what we supply for them is that same set of sticks, the stems, breakouts, there's a million names for it, but the components that make up the stereo mix. And that may be six or eight groups of tracks that if you play them all at the same time, it sounds like the stereo mix. And if you play... The individual ones they sound good among themselves but they contribute to the whole right so that's one way to do it but the other way we do it is we make sure that they are in nice clear eight bar chunks here's the a section here's a little breakdown here's a little build up here's the next section here's a little breakdown and here's the third section that's like the first section but with a little more juice right yeah and that gives the user the ability to use them like you would said intro bridge the sections of the songs rather than dealing with are the drums too loud and so we actually have to do it both ways because When you're doing television and advertising and that, they think much more this way. The 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 sections of the song, where the film guys think much more density of orchestration and how is it going to fit into the bigger picture of the mix of the film. Right.
0: Yeah. This this would like doing the Rocketeer would be a lot different than say you're providing the background music for House Hunters International or something like that. But that.
2: Yeah. Well, then there's no composer on that. I mean, or there might be a group of composers, but they're writing the stuff ahead of time and the music's being dropped in as it fits rather than. A composer watched this three minutes and custom crafted by hand a piece of music to fit perfectly to the director's wishes, right? right. That's the difference. Yeah. And it's time frame, time frame and money. I mean, this movie probably made, uh, may, it took, I don't know, you guys know better than I do. How many years was this in pre-production?
0: Uh, well, uh, technically since it began about 86 of what, uh, five years?
2: And then yeah, principal
0: photography Stevens took first took a principal, year. What? Principal photography was, I think, it was uh, nine weeks plus the plus the opticals, which took another several months. Right. So
2: by that point, they knew who the composer was, and they were two years away from release, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so the composer, James, probably had gotten a call from his agent going, hey, Disney's got this thing, and maybe he's had a meeting with the filmmaker. So the whole creative process of doing the score really is a, you know, in best case scenario, well, it's shrinking. So James may have worked on this film for a year. You know, we don't know. Nowadays, the turnaround time is six weeks for an entire major motion picture, if you're lucky, sometimes four. Now you may get eight to 10, but those first four are going to be people not knowing what they want, and 90% of what you do is going to go into the trash, right? It's just the nature of the thing.
0: And, and some, I, mean, I imagine a lot of them are going, no, more like this, and they're clapping their hands, and you're like, what does that mean? <laughs>
2: You get yeah. some of that. I mean that that's that's more about who you're choosing to work yeah. with, you know. And if if you're starting out, yeah, you get the hand clapping guys, you got the singing guys, you got the let me play you the demo of my band <laughs> back in the day because I think we had a song that's going to work for this oh, guy. Yeah. There's a there's a whole cast of them, but you work with those guys once and then you know you're busy it's very simple and you don't have to be mean about it there are there are all as i'm sure any director would say yeah and then i met this composer and you know what he said <laughs>
0: my mom thinks so this sure is it's wrong a- and you should keep be- <laughs>
2: It's a two-way street. Yeah, my wife doesn't like your mix, man. I'm sorry. This is a classic story. I have to tell it really quick. My wife. So my lovely wife, who I've been married to for 24 years, I have two lovely children with, who I adore to the moon and back, had never met Hans Zimmer. And I had a studio with Hans, and we'd done two pictures with him. And, you know, I knew the guy pretty well. And the wife had never met him. You know, it was work that the families didn't mingle. It wasn't a social thing. And so the wife came down to see the brand new studio at Zimmer's. And I brought her in, and she saw it. And I uh, gave her a tour of the building and I said, Well, we'll we'll see if Hans is here and I can introduce you And so Hans's door was shut, so I looked at the assistant and said, Is it cool? And he says, Yeah, go on in. So I took him in and Hans was super nice he got up right away and he came and he introduced himself to my little kids who you know I think six and nine they didn't know who this was and my wife knew who it was and so Hans shakes her hand says nice to meet you and says uh, so what do you think of the new room and my wife says it kind of has a funny smell
3: <sighs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and he says Hans goes oh all right and he says well it was nice to meet all of you got to get back Aww. to work now and we left And to this day, it's one of those, I have no idea how we ended up on this story, but there are all (laughs) kinds in this business and you just take the good with the bad. And even when you get an opportunity to make the perfect first impression, what comes out of your mouth, you just (laughs) never know, man. Your studio smells funny. Your studio (laughs) smells funny. And I don't know if that, uh, I mean, there's nothing worse. I can get an instant cringe out of the old lady and it stops any conversation cold in its tracks. So it's the ultimate trump card for me. I'm glad to have it. It's great.
1: (sighs) You just uh, you just use it judiciously, very I'm sure. very
2: carefully, very 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 oh, yeah. cautiously. Yes. Oh. Anyway, back to where we were. Sorry, oh, I digress yeah, yeah. with Hollywood uh, crazy I, stories. I have, <laughs> I have
0: another music question how How sure. do you how do you unconvince a director that their temp track is the best thing? Mm. That must come up a lot, I would think.
2: Yeah. Well, so for those who don't know, and maybe you've talked about it already, the temp track is a track that gets put into a film when the film is being made, which can be literally the greatest tool on earth if you got a director who's fundamentally inarticulate but knows what he likes when he hears it and can tell you can literally play something for you and go this is what I want it, it can be good and so here's kind of the scenarios you find here's the temp track we like the rhythm we like the tempo but we don't like the melody that's great good news we love the temp track we think the melody is great but we think it's too slow that's also not bad the third one is, we love this. Get as close as you can without getting anybody sued. That's bad. <laughs> that's bad news there. That's not the one you want. And I've seen it go so far, and I won't say names, to be a major composer absolutely killing himself to try to best the temp. And that's what you do, to answer your question. Okay. The only choice you have is is endless lobbying over copious amounts of alcohol late into the night right up against the deadline. So... If you get all those working, sometimes they'll go, yeah, yeah, fine, put your cue in. Okay. The, mm, yeah, this is how Blackbeard dies. But anyway, that's a whole nother podcast. So. Uh, <laughs> Actually, there is a podcast for that. But so, yeah. yeah, moving <laughs> along. Um, the other alternative is to write a better piece of music. And that, that's pretty much what Gore Verbinski always told Hans. You don't like my temp? better it. He didn't say bitch. I would say bitch after that, (laughs) but I'm going to be nice. It's a family show, so you can beep that out if you need to. And so that really is the challenge. Come up with a piece of music that does all the things, that hits all the beats, that satisfies all the right tastes, that is owned by the film, I would say. If you're James Horner and you got something in reel seven in minute 92 and the director's in love with it, but you can go back and you can tie which you know he's in love with because he's been in love with it since you wrote it. <laughs> and you can convince him that that thing is going to do the work of his temp track that he's in love with and he's going to get the best of both worlds, then the conversation's over. So that's always what I try to do is take the stuff that I know he loves that I, or she, it, uh, they, any, any material that I've created that's doing the work, take that material into the future and make it do the work for you. That's the only way you're going to win. But I've seen it go to the bottom line where they just licensed the piece of music they were in love with because the composer never bested it. Wow. If there's an odd piece of score from somebody else's movie in the back end of a movie that you're watching that seems oddly out of place and not terribly poignant, that's a piece of temp score that didn't get bested by the composer, folks.
0: Wow. I, I had been reading a, a biography of Stanley Kubrick, and mm. he had hired Alex North to do Spartacus, which is a fantastic—I yeah. mean, you listen to Spartacus, and it's— What a score. Oh, unreal. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, he he had a good working relationship with Kubrick. So Kubrick asked him on for um, for 2001. And so— Alex North wrote this epic score. I mean, he just sat down, and the movie originally uncut was like three hours and twenty minutes this is or something. Ridiculous! It was crazy.
2: Yeah. And he no, he he wrote a symphony
0: opus. man. Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> and so he so Alex North wrote this gigantic score. It was gorgeous. And Kubrick said, "You know, I've been listening to uh, a couple of old classic classical albums, and I think I'm going to go with that instead."
2: strauss out soon. yeah
0: so <laughs> so what i understand the well, first thing he did was he's like okay so alex north took the whole theme and put it over into another mgm movie called the shoes of the fisherman which you can hear the original 2001 that's theme. the
2: score i forgot yeah. about that part yeah he reused oh, yeah. it yeah. didn't because
0: because they gave
2: it back to him nobody owned and it it's, and he's like gorgeous
0: mm-hmm. i mean if you go yeah. go look up you know i'm sure it's on youtube go look up theme to shoes of the fisherman and that's the actual score to 2001 the original score I'd never heard and that one before. That's from amazing. what I understand, they never spoke again. He never like, pfft, met, you know, <laughs> the hell with you kind of a thing, and that was it. And he they never worked again together and didn't yeah. socialize no, at all. Nuts. It was like he uh, what Alex North's comment was. Uh, I wrote him a score, and Kubrick decided to play records instead. <laughs> so.
2: Well, and oh, wow. so famously, uh, you know, uh, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name. Come on, Tom, Strauss? don't be or? silly. <laughs> Scorsese, thank you. Oh, yeah. yes. source, source. He's the source her. music yeah. guy. They don't. He doesn't score as much. And yeah. Silence had Silence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there are choices to be made. And and look at look at Horner now. Back to something tangibly relevant gabriel Yared wrote we probably talked about this last time wrote a complete score for troy and it, it didn't test well with a test audience and got canned and horner wrote the score for troy in like three weeks or something ridiculous wow. the the score exists it's out there you can listen to it it's amazingly appropriate and beautiful and you know not that Horner's score for troy was a travesty but it sounded a little last minute to me and i you know i, I think horner fans alike will not chase me down with sabers for saying such things um and yard's score was deep and textured and rich and well thought out and obviously had been produced over a long period of time and the bottom line was they tested it and the and the people that filled out the comment card says yeah it sounds like you know old-fashioned sword and sandal mu- music to us mm and it makes the movie seem old-fashioned. Wow. And I don't know if that was two comment cards or 2,000, but it cost the guy his gig, and this beautiful piece of music went, bye-bye. So oh. it happens, you know. Hans, it's another back to Hans again, he's famous for saying that. He, you have not arrived as a composer until you've had a score replaced. That's what they call it. That, that's the polite terminology in my interview. <laughs> replaced. You're, yes, the, the, the film suffered a score replacement. <laughs> that, that means one guy got fired
3: what that means yeah. wow
0: well i mean you, you know you think about lucas hiring uh williams to do jaws and uh, uh, uh not 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 jaws um, for doing star wars and yeah, right. and then he became you know he became like the, the spielberg lucas guy but before lucas did star wars the movie before that was uh, american graffiti which was a bunch of yeah. records which was a bunch of records yeah, that's right yep
1: exactly and you know my uh tom you remember my uh the the middle brother in my family eric his best friend when we lived in California was a guy named Mark Evislog. Mark Eveslog's dad was Ron Evislog who did the cinematography on American Graffiti. Oh, and I then, didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, and then apparently, kind of, uh, I have no idea what what happened career wise after that. He kind of uh, uh, wandered away, went and, off and, in tangent. Oh, yeah, exactly. Okay. I, don't, I don't see any other IMDb stuff on there. Huh. You know, I'm so I'm sitting there in you know in California until '76 when all the Star Wars stuff is happening. And I, I have no idea that I'm a step removed. Yeah, you were there, I, right? You was right there, right <laughs> there. It was like an hour away, right? Yeah, and uh, I had no idea that I'm just a step removed from from George Lucas at the time. And of course, by the time I found out, it was you know too late to do any good. But
2: well, and the bottom line is you wouldn't have cared anyway because it, ILM was. It looked like a muffler shop. I mean, it was in yeah, the end exactly. of a strip mall. Yeah. It was nothing. You know, these guys, right. were, these guys are blowing up Estes models with dynamite sticks, and everybody <laughs> exactly. thinks they're nuts. So yes. it no it. And it's crazy. I mean, now we're back to iScore films with computers, and I have a six-week deadline. And these guys were doing it with pencil and papers, and I, you know, I learned about cut and paste. Did I tell this story before? You have to tell me. I repeat myself.
0: You're a talking lot. about cutting and pasting uh, actual compositions that you would cut. Yeah, out. It's yeah, it's the same
2: thing. And so, you know, yeah. the, we 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 move forward, and technology adapts, and these terms become contemporary terms. And so, I, it it's just what happens. It's, yeah. I think it's fun and. It doesn't challenge me so much, but I know it's been problematic for some people, you know, to go from blowing up SD's models in the garage to staring at lines of code and wondering why the lips don't quite look like a normal person's (laughs) lips would. You know what I mean? That's that's a different paradigm to exist in, just as mine of uh, John Williams works at a drafting table with a stopwatch and a grand piano, and I sit in a room full of computer screens and a mouse.
0: It's a different, yeah, it's different. And, and we're, here we are sitting, you know, in respective dining room tables and, and bedrooms and things. <laughs> that too, talking crazy. across the internet to <laughs> tens of thousands of people. It's
2: just
3: kind of. This is the future, and here, here we are. Well, should we get back to the dip? Yeah, our, we're, we're back with it. The...
2: I mean, it's unbelievable. Gosh. I want to kiss her so bad. <laughs> She's so hot, you guys. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. goodness. Uh-oh.
1: Does your wife listen to this show, talk? You know,
2: I, no, we've never really talked formally about a hall pass Yeah, don't we, well, yeah this
0: is my... I mean, my wife long knows that Jennifer Connelly is my, you know... Uh, is she your celebrity crush, for reals? Oh, my goodness. I have just... Uh. But it's, you know, it's changed over time. I've just kind of, like... Now, I, now, there's such an age difference in looking at old Jenny. I feel like... I, well, I, I know, to, yeah. I, I, got say, a, I got a 23-year-old daughter, yeah, I, I need guys. To f- I, I need to f- And f- she's
1: 19 yeah, in this movie. I need more. to yeah.
0: find her a nice guy she can settle down with. You know, Cliff wouldn't be bad if he'd get a regular <laughs> job. That's, that's He's, he's <laughs> too unreliable. You turned
1: into
3: the, turned into dad. the Jewish yeah, mother. Yeah, now here. we're dead. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. that's yeah. how... I mean,
0: I see I see beautiful Jennifer Connolly. It's like, she's such a nice girl and she looks like she could get a good career and she really just has to stay away from these guys out of the airfield. I mean, what kind of a... What's she doing dancing at the airfield
1: thing anyway with these sorts? Yeah, Uh, Yeah, it's just... Let's get her a nice bowl of soup. Don't spill (laughs) it this time.
0: exactly. (laughs) She'll need to eat soup.
2: I need to clarify. I did tell you that "Beautiful Mind" that was a much older Jennifer who would have been much more age appropriate for the age sure. of Tom. At the, so I'm not talking about kissing nineteen right. year olds here, people. Just that's, hear that's me out. Okay, all right. Sorry.
3: Oh,
1: about she is that. right about our age, Tom. So uh, <laughs> so it's not. So even you know when I was when I uh, thought she was pretty cute in in Labyrinth. Yes. Yeah. We exactly. We were about the same age. It was at that time. So, I, you know certainly my goodness, I don't go back and, and watch that movie that way now. But as a you know, as a teenager, and she's a teenager. But it's that lovely okay, song, Roll
2: Old fine. Along With Me, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, of course, uh, if if my wife were a guest on the show, she would tell everybody who my uh, very, very earliest celebrity crush uh, was, which was sort of right before uh, Diana Rigg as Emma Peel and Yvonne Craig as Batgirl. Mm. Right before them, um, I had a, a sort of, crush on uh, zero from planet of the apes
3: okay there was uh, I said,
1: okay says tom there was just something about kim hunter and all that makeup no, it's okay and, and i get and it. she uh, she hugs uh, charlton Heston, <laughs> gives him the kiss and <laughs> says he's so damn <laughs> ugly <laughs> there was something about that I, I, I want to hug the monkey it's okay you know, it's so. okay man
2: oh uh, well dude for <laughs> well, me it was linda carter in slow-mo i mean let's just well, be real about yeah. the whole uh, thing shall we that, that brunette was definitely thing that the first one along. yes okay curvy mm-hmm. brunettes it, it, and so this is this is true to form
0: for Tom forever. It's Well, we've okay. all landed our own Jenny Blake. So let's let's go with that and consider it. And she's in the house right. cooking dinner. Yeah. So I so, love this girl And to my death wife and she just made s- me pretzels. So I can't See? argue about
2: anything. Oh. It's just and Hal's wife lets him be Hal. Yeah. Everybody well, yeah. wins. <laughs> yes,
1: everybody wins. And mine just texted me as I was starting to talk. I just happened to glance down my phone sitting on the desk, and it, a text that just says "Zira!" exclamation so points. We love yous, honey. She, yes, she <laughs> knows. Honey, uh, yes. she knows me just all too well. They make yes, us, Tom, they as you said. They, she lets me you know. be me, and all the. All that that and entails. They
2: make us better, us as lads. That's just the, the and, truth. And of the Jennifer's thing. married. Here, here. Jennifer is now married to the Vision. So you know, every, everything worked out. Every, you know. Yeah, she got she got what she needed. Yeah. It's okay. She stayed away from the naughty boys, pretty much. I yeah, think, right? Yeah,
0: you know, it's it's just it's just there. They're, they're, everybody's happy. But uh, we we end the whole minute with our hero busting a window. He's doing a B and e right there. What's gonna happen yeah.
3: next? Uh, well, we'll have to oh. tune in next time. Wait, find Jane, out. he
2: didn't say it, but he might have said. <laughs> when the window broke, he yes, didn't. He, right he didn't do that there, but he could well, have. He done was busy. That, yeah. He was he busy was picking
0: it. out the broken glass, but he couldn't reach the keyboard. Right, <laughs> that was the exactly. thing. Uh, hey, oh, somebody's coming in the roof. Get what the heck? <laughs>
2: that's awesome.
0: Wow. What What is your favorite theme in the Rocketeer? I mean, beside beside the main theme, do you have a, a particular favorite of the?
2: Well, it is that. It's that B part that you said you were that you played earlier yes. on. That that. <laughs> just that that's so simple you know. four four chord to the one chord and i i don't know and there's so again it it, and it plays so nicely against the first and last phrases so i i i like his a and b theme of the main theme yeah
0: yeah it's uh it never you never hit fast forward when it pops up on your iphone you know it's just one of those i've got to
2: hear this now and And before we wrap i do have to tell you guys guys I, i i thought of you recently i was uh Really lucky enough to be. Well, it's going to be a story about me, and I didn't mean it to be. I worked on something down in Florida uh, for Hollywood Studios theme park. Um, when you go in, they have a, an incredible uh, Star Wars spectacular fireworks show that they do down there at night. That if you haven't seen, how like, have you seen this thing?
1: I have not. Get your booty
2: down there. I've got to do it. You will go crazy. It's amazing. So we did the pre-show projection mapping technology. So that's the new thing down there. They show movies on all of these architectural structures and the movies are mapped around the three. I know you guys know what I'm talking about already. Sure. Yeah. And the, the, the integration of this down at the theme parks in Florida is spectacular stuff. I got to do, I got a call from a friend. So there's a whole show that happens for nine minutes before the star Wars fireworks show at night and it's all a tribute to the live action disney films ah. and so i got to do the music for the uh, beauty and the beast section and i got to do of course with my <laughs> with my track record i got to do the pirates segment <laughs> but my friend uh, michael patty wrote a really really awesome original score and then uh, did a lot of the arrangements of the other classic themes. Long point to be, the Rocketeer was one of, of course, the themes, and he's uh, a little segment in the show down there. And so I, I stood there listening to all of this that night, and I thought of you two Aww. boys. Oh, that's uh,
0: awesome. I always hear that it seems to be on an endless loop when you're waiting to get into the Epcot section. There, Yes, of course. Playing. No, they do
2: like their triumphant marches yeah. on the entry line cues. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I... It, it sometimes I just wanted the line to slow down a little because it's just it, it really draws you in. I, I, I there's a couple of themes like that in the universe. And that's just that's just one of them. I, I, I put that up with I, I like John Williams is leaving home from Superman. And it, it, it's mm-hmm. that kind of soaring score to me
2: absolutely oh, yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's everything that's everything that's right about what this country's supposed to be all tied up in in you know 25 magic notes or whatever it yeah. is it's,
0: it's it's why you want. it's the way you want to feel when you're watching a movie it's just so yeah, yeah. well we'll leave it on that yeah, side yeah. then will we gents yeah, yes thank, no thank kidding. you so
2: much for, for, for being <laughs> on again epic episode and maybe we'll, my, my pleasure maybe yeah. we'll have
0: you on again before uh, before they, they roll the end credits so we can <laughs>
2: <laughs> hit me up during the end roll fellas <laughs> definitely, definitely <laughs>
0: have you on again that'll be fantastic uh, alright guys now, well uh, for, so, for folks who want to continue the conversation i know we have a lot of uh, musically inclined uh listeners out there that's why you've got headphones on you can listen to lots more music after we're done but uh, join us here on social media you can find us out on the all the usual places twitter at Rocketeer Minute. you can find us on facebook uh facebook.com slash Rocketeer Minute. find us at the big site rocketeerminute.com if you want to order a bunch of different soundtracks including that 110 dollar thing that amazon still sells Uh, It's right there on the big site. Just go look in the Amazon section, click on the button, and they will be happy to take your money. So so check that out. And uh, also, please subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, iTunes, Google Play, type Rocketeer Minute, hit subscribe, and boom, every day, Monday through Friday, this thing pops up on your little uh, machine. So we probably run your batteries down while you're doing your treadmill. So let me... (laughs) Let me say get heck yeah, Let's here. get out of here guys So uh, thank you very much We will see you tomorrow Here on the Rocketeer Minute uh, Over and out Well before we say Over and out Let's have the full range Of uh, of Tom's beautiful End theme here
2: Because this show Wasn't long enough We're going to no. torture you For a minute oh, no, no thanks 56 everybody 56
0: minutes of pure 56 seconds of pure joy Here we go with Amen to yeah, that Go get him, kid
3: I